After years on the road, Timmy parked the van and picked up the mic to bring you this podcast that features interviews with people from hardcore to hair metal. This is Talk To Me with your host, Joshua Toomey. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Talk To Me on Lost Anarchy Radio. This is episode 71, and on this episode, I speak to Chris Beatty of Hatebreed. We sat down at their recent show here in Louisville and had a nice long chat. We talked about everything from the Concrete Confessional to his beloved New York Giants to their just uh, recent appearances at KnotFest Mexico and the Riot Fest in Denver where they played with the Misfits. We had a great chat, and also I go into the vault of the Talk To Me podcast, pull up my conversation with Brandon and Corey from American Standards, polish it off, add some tunes to it, and uh, it's a whole lot of fun, guys. This is going to be a fun episode, a lot of nice 90s hardcore in this episode, so uh, let's sit back, relax, and enjoy some Talk To Me. Hey, hey, this is Chris Kale from Five Finger Death Punch. You're listening to Talk To Me. Just like Jack Yeah, like I said, at the top of the show, I sat down and talked to Chris Beatty for a while, but uh, while I was waiting for Chris, man, I got to go and chat with uh, with Frank Novinek, who has been on the podcast not once, but twice. Uh, both times though, with him were over the phone, so you know, getting to talk to him in person was great. It was one of those times where you walk away and you're like, man, I wish I was recording that because, you know, we sat and talked his, uh, we talked about his beloved uh, Broncos and uh, Florida Gators, and we talked a lot of football, and you know, it was just a lot of fun, you know, it would have been great to have the mics running on that and uh speaking of the mics running man i am doing this podcast late i am definitely burning the midnight oil to get this out to you i don't think i've had a podcast out late like a day late or anything so uh i definitely need to keep that streak going so it is now 1 30 a.m uh as i record this to get this out to you guys so i don't miss a day i was i came so close to just uh to just doing it tomorrow but you know what I uh, I don't want to break a streak. Seventy one shows, seventy one shows in, and I uh, don't want to don't want to disappoint. <laughs> I don't want you guys to wake up and like, where is the talk to me podcast for this week? And uh, here it is. So getting it out to you, and uh, just just uh, going back to the Hatebreed show though. Uh, you know, I got to it was Hatebreed Devil Driver, Devil You Know, and uh, you know Howard Jones and Devil You Know so good and how that's a first band on a bill of three is crazy but you know howard jones's voice is just so powerful it's so crazy and uh I had an interview with Mike, uh, Mike uh, Spritzer, Spritzer, I'm going to butcher that name until until next week. I interview with him, and uh, halfway through it, uh, Howard Jones walks through, and uh, hopefully it, hopefully the mics picked up Howard Jones, and you guys can hear that, but it, you know, it was pretty funny for the two seconds. He may or may not have been on the Talk To Me podcast, and it was a lot of fun, but uh, this was the first interview that I did with the new mic setup that I have. You know, I got the new, uh, the, the preamp, and then I, I had uh, a huge donation from a, from a good friend who helped me uh help me grab some mics to go and go down and interview Haybreed and interview uh devil, a devil driver very very professionally you know you definitely want to look professional when you're the talk to me podcast out on the street and uh, it was great man i got to sit down and i was listening back to this interview today while editing it and man chris sounds good i sound all right but chris sounds good so the content may be iffy but the 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 quality is great 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just, it was a lot of great fun sitting down with Chris and those guys. And speaking of donations, man, if you if you can go over to patreon.com slash talk to me and donate anything, if you're a fan of the podcast and you want to donate a dollar or two, every little bit helps at this point and everything else is everything is going right back into the podcast. If you want to grab a t-shirt, head over to amazon.com, search out the talk to me podcast, get yourself a talk to me t-shirt. And uh, always, 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 if you guys just want to reach out on Facebook, facebook.com slash talk to me, talk Twitter is at talk to me, talk and Gmail, talk to me, talk at gmail.com. So much great feedback lately. And hopefully this episode will be no different. Hopefully you guys will reach out and say hello. So uh, without any more of my ramblings, let's get into our talk with Chris Beatty of Hatebreed. This is Schwa from Our Dying Day. It's time to turn the world off and crank the volume to 11. You're listening to Talk To Me on Los Amateur Radio. Chris Beatty of Hatebreed, thank you for coming on the show, man. Glad to be here. I was told I was requested. Yes, you were. All right, that's Frank's cool. been on the uh, podcast a couple of times over the phone, um, so I All was right. like, you know, let's, let's, let's mix it up a little bit with the Hatebreed, uh, the Hatebreed members. Uh, you know, I'm just going to go right into it. We don't have a lot of time with your your meet and greet coming up. So, I mean, you've been in the band since day one. Um, you yeah. know, what what kind of keeps you and Jamie together throughout these years? You know, with a lot of lineup changes. Um. I mean, we just we're, we have the same goal in mind. You know, we both like love playing the music, want to write like good stuff. I mean, we we all still hang out and laugh and you know have a good time together. You yeah. know what I mean? There's nothing like like bitter or nothing like that. You know what I mean? Like I, I've seen other bands and and people right. members of bands. And it's like whoa, that shit's like really weird. You know, we have our shit, but you know, it's it's cool. We get over it. We're like brothers. Have been doing this forever you know so yeah i remember seeing you know obviously you guys back in the vfw hall days and and you know actually actually ended up opening for you at one point like in the uh, late 90s it was Hatebreed, earth crisis and sam sarah all right I and that uh, man I'll, I'll tell you one thing like i guess harley flanagan's and sam sarah and he was like we were at this club it was a small club it was like kind of like set up like this mm-hmm. and we were all like 18, 19. I mean, I think you guys were too. Theoretically, I think you guys are all about the same age. Yeah, we were definitely, definitely younger. And, sure. uh, man, he was coming like around corners and it's like he would come out of nowhere and just be like, who is this guy? We're like trying to get away from him. You know, we were from Nashville. <laughs> like, this guy was just freaking us out. What are your memories of that tour? Do you remember anything from back then? Um, actually, I'd, I remember Rocky George because he was, he was yeah, playing he was with him. Yeah, he Yeah, so I had a lot of good times with him, man. Um, I think we were still in the van at that point, so we were like like doing all that. And, yeah, uh, it was fun, man. It was. I mean, it wasn't like you know, like one of the best tours ever like did, but we we definitely learned a lot. Like you know, we we kept at it, and at, and at Rocky George is my biggest <laughs> memory because I got to hang out with that dude. Yeah, and you know, obviously suicidal and all that shit, and and he was just a fun dude to hang out with, man. Yep. He'd be like like totally like mellow during the day, hang out, like <laughs> talk to him, and then and then at night, like when he when he got partying and shit, it was fucking, it was awesome. I was just telling this the other day to somebody, I was like, yeah, yeah like uh, Rocky's like fucking, he's like night and day. It's great, man. He was such a cool guy, though, man. We're like, I remember like smoking weed out like fucking little. Uh, those little uh, cigarette things you would pack in the front. I forget what they even call them <laughs> nowadays because it's so... Uh, yeah, yeah. That game's changed so much. Yeah, our singer at that show ended up taking Rocky over to a strip club after the show. So Because, right. uh, you know, 
local band singer had the you know the girlfriend that worked at the strip club and Rocky wanted yeah. to go to the strip club and so yeah our, our singer Jason at the time took him over there that's crazy I forgot all about that one oh, he's fucking wild was, that was <laughs> great man it was a bunch of good laughs and I remember the last time I saw him actually was with a it was in LA and it was uh, we were playing with Slayer and um, he was he was backstage hanging out. I hadn't seen him since that tour. And then I just turned the corner. I was like, Oh no, you're here! <laughs> and, and he was like like really good friends with Jeff Henneman. Yeah. And so like and we all were hanging out the other night. It was it was a fucking blast actually. Throughout all the years, I mean, what have you kind of seen? You know, maybe change throughout Haybreed. We could play better. <laughs> <laughs> is that the members or is that yourselves or what do you do? I mean, well, I, everyone, like, you know, definitely, you know, fucking got a lot better than we were. Like, when we first started out, it was, like, kind of, like, minimal. You know, we just wanted to play shows and, yeah. and do whatever. But, I mean, like, like me personally, like, definitely learned a lot more, like, playing, you know, like, play guitar and shit like that. And and uh, songwriting, you know, like, we we kind of know how to do that a little bit more, like a little better, you know what I mean, than we did it. I mean, we still keep the same basic, you know, I mean, I think there's definitely going. like a hate breed sound. I mean, there's definitely, I guess it's always going to be there. How much of the writing do you do, you do personally? I, I do a bunch, man. I get, I get um, in my laptop, I fire it up. I get like, you know, kind of a jam like this and I uh, fire it up and I trade shit with Jamie and, uh, you know, I whatever i send him you know he'll be like oh that's cool let's keep this that and then uh you know some songs most of it you know stays and stuff like that so definitely definitely like evolved in it for sure i know your instagram handle is god of bass that's a pretty ballsy uh instagram handle there man nate from converge gave that to me did he really yeah it was it was like a joe we toured with converge and he was like uh he's like you're god of bass and i was like all right, it's great. And when I was looking for like like a handle for that, I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, like, like Nate used to call me that. I just saw him in uh in Denver in the airport. We played with them at, at Riot Fest. Yeah. And I saw him the morning after, and we were actually just talking about that too. I was like, I was like, do you remember you gave me that name? He's like, yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah, I've always seen that. I'm like, man, that's that takes some balls right there to throw that one out there. Oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't make it up. I didn't give it to myself. <laughs> so how was Riot Fest? I I saw Riot Fest in Chicago. We had to go see the Misfits. That was a, a done deal. So I mean, how yeah. was it playing? You know, the Denver version. It was good, man. That was that was one of the coolest festivals we've done. Like they treated us well, and. Um, Everybody was awesome. You know, we played the show. We played earlier in the day. Yeah. And so we went back to the hotel, came back to catch the Misfits. And that it was fucking packed, man. Like, like me, Frank, Wayne, and uh, Matt. I don't, know if Jay, I don't know where Jamie was. I think he was watching somewhere else. But uh, we were out in the crowd. Like, yeah. we, we tried getting in front of house. That It was fucking 500 people there. Right. Couldn't get on there. Then we walked in the back. And we were like, oh, my God, this is, like, so crazy. We ended up walking to the to the stage that was next to the the other main stage mm-hmm. you know and like we watch it kind of like from the left side and i, I thought it was cool man it, you know it was, it was really um it was really cool to be a part of that and to actually see it under fruition you know what yeah. i mean like it, it's how many years has that been and you know people have been wanting something like that exactly you know? it's so crazy how like one member of a band can change the dynamics so much because you know i mean jerry only still has a version of the misfits out there yeah. playing to playing to small clubs and then you throw danzig back into it and you're playing in front of you know i think there was like eighty thousand people at chicago riot fest it was insanity well yeah i mean everybody wanted to see that you know it's like this i mean some different forms of bands it's cool to see you know what i mean but yeah. like like everyone wanted that that's a <laughs> right. people wanted that for years i mean and the dudes are 
currently touring other bands, it's not like, you know, it could never happen right. again, you know? Well, the way Danzig works, I mean, I don't think he's actually out touring much at all right now, so I mean, you know, right. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it again, but I mean, hell, I was there for the for the one show. And, right. Um, did Rob Zombie play your, sh- your guys' show, too? No, I don't, I don't even know who played that day. We had the... Uh, I know Converge played... And then we, I don't know, it kind of took off, man. Like it, <laughs> it was such a weird show. Like, I've, I don't know if I've ever been to a festival that big where we were like leaving the crowd, mm-hmm. and you would get ha- where you think you're about out of it, and then you're still halfway in it. You know, the crowd was just so gigantic. But yeah, it was like it was Deftones, Rob Zombie, and then the Misfits. Like oh, that's stage, cool. it was crazy. And Rob Zombie played all of Astro Creep 2000 start to finish. Oh no way! It was pretty insane. It was, I remember the, the Chicago Riot Fest was so packed when we played it like a couple of years ago it was in like some small park it was all gated off there was no phone service you couldn't like <laughs> right. it was like holy shit man like you had service but nothing was going through because there was so many so people, many people. In, in one spot so I ask this a lot you know you've obviously grown up playing giant festivals overseas and now you're seeing a riot fest you're seeing you know mm-hmm. Carolina Rebellion you're seeing all these festivals pop up in the states how are you how are you seeing that on your end are you excited to see that America's kind of catching up yeah, I mean, it's about time, actually. You know, it's, there's so many awesome bands in America, and, you know, and we, we go over to Europe, and, and we do great there, and so does everyone else. And But it's cool to be able to do it in your own country, you know, yeah. and, and to bring that, like, whole vibe to, to the cities in America. Let's go with the... I mean, I hate these questions, but I grew up a bass player, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about bass. But, I mean, what were kind of, like, the ones that got you wanting to pick up a bass? Oh man, I was I was like into hardcore stuff, man. I was I, I was I just wanted to be able to play like like Biohazard songs or, or Sick of All <laughs> yes. and, and and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, but like as I you know grew into my own, I was like totally like into like Lemmy and uh, Harley Flanagan. Like his style was right, pretty fucking badass. And and uh, uh, Rex from Pantera. I also like what he was doing when I was younger. And uh, yeah, kind of like took bits and pieces from you know little things like that and that's awesome yeah growing up just yeah all the all those guys you just talked about man that's uh, you know cliff burton being one of them too you know and just all, oh yeah just I mean, all those dudes there's, there's so many influences so <laughs> right? many like great things you could take from like so many different artists you know what i mean like as long as you have an open mind you know yeah. like like there's something cool like every dude's doing you know what i mean you are listening to talk to me
Hello everybody, this is Max Cavalera, Soulfly, Return to Roots, and you are listening to Talk to Me, Stay Metal, oi! When Hatebreed came out, you know, it was, Hatebreed was a hardcore band, you know, so we all, we all were like, oh man, this is, this is hardcore to us, and then, you know, over the years, you guys kind of took those Slayer tours, and you took those, you know, Motorhead tours and things like that, and kind of getting into making maybe a more... Uh, more metal influenced sound. I mean, are, are you guys still kind of dealing with the uh, any kind of backlash from that? I mean, are, like the hardcore community, are they still accepting of you guys? Or they see you guys as like the, you know, like one of the fathers of hardcore? I mean, or where are you at in I that? Mean, you I don't know. I don't. I don't pay attention to that shit, man. We go out, we do our thing. You know what I mean? Like we have, we have love for the metal scene, love for the hardcore scene. That's where we came up. You know what I mean? We did our thing with, you know. Fucking, you know, if someone has something against us and whatever, that's that's your own problem. You know, we, we just go do our thing, play our music, and, and, you know, it still means to us now what it did then, you know, and we're not like, I don't know. Not all, I'm not all up on that, you right. know what I mean? Like, getting too old for all that? Well, I mean, you're either into it or you're not, yeah. whatever, you know. We're going to put on our show, we're going to give it 100 fucking 50%, whatever we got at that night, you know, and that's what it is. When you get to festivals, are you still kind of looking at the, the bill? Going, holy shit! We're playing with this band or that band. Yeah, I mean it's cool sometimes. We just did we did Not Fest. It was it was great to see a bunch of our friends. You know, we at Devil Driver was there. Um, played with Seven Dust. It was cool to catch up with guys like that. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen for a while. You know what I mean? Like because we're kind of like two different spectrums right. of the musical scene. But we, we did Tattoo the Earth together. Yeah. Oh and yeah. And so, so we made a lot of friends along the way. You know, like like Slipknot guys. Obviously, you know it's good to see them. The Slayer dudes. We had, we had a bunch of so many. So many people like we meet on these festivals and like that you're tight with, you know what I mean? From years of touring, right, right. Like that not fest, it was it was really cool, man. You got to see everyone, even if it's only like for a couple of minutes, you know, it was cool. <laughs> One of the best uh, hatebreed stories I've had on the podcast was I had um, Mike Sarkeesian and Spine Shank on, mm-hmm. and he was talking about touring Ozfest with you guys and how all the Ozfest bands back then were like, just gotta stay away from Hatebreed's bus, man. It's like a prison yard over there. Oh, and, yeah. he, and he was like, fuck that, man. And he like, I guess you guys ended up maybe sharing a bus or something. Happened where you guys broke down, or uh, there was a story in there. Uh, yeah, he was a cool guy. Yeah. I, I remember we hung out with that man. Uh, we, you know what? We were we were rolling like we had the weights. We broke out the weights in the morning. We <laughs> right. were just like lifting out in the parking lot. Like that's right. normal shit to us. You know what I mean? Right. So we're just hanging out doing our thing. You know what I mean? And well, it's such a normal thing now for bands to be more into fitness and lifting weights. And you see, you know, you see Instagram posts of dudes in bands at the hotel gym now. And you know, to where? Oh, yeah, we were doing that pre-internet. We were like, we were just. <laughs> like fuck it hey we're going out here we're doing that like we're like fucking selling cigarettes like after hours and shit you know what i mean to other bands and you know we're just, that's that was just, i don't know that was normal to us you know pre the internet when you were just taking polaroids and mailing them to people of you guys at the gym yeah well no nah, we're not even we were just doing it we didn't <laughs> fucking you didn't have no time to do that shit you know what i mean like the world's definitely changed since then but oh. yeah i mean like it i mean it's cool it's because uh you know when you're on the road man you fucking get really uh worn down and shit and if you're not like in good shape man it's like it takes its toll on you man yeah looking you know you grew up with the 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 facade of the 80s and just hard partying and you know you hear stories like what is it like tommy lee snorting a line of ants and shit like that i mean and then now you're going to the gym every day and making sure you're gonna have a ymca membership or something yeah that's a whole nother level though tommy lee doing shit like that you know it's like (laughs) 
it's it's far and few between you see like that like dudes like that and then and then i mean you do see dudes that do stupid shit and like end up and like they don't the careers don't last too long you know what i mean and they're, and they're shot and what the hell is the point of doing it you know? right absolutely yeah i mean I, i'm pretty sure now nikki six and those guys are probably at the gym <laughs> and doing that oh yeah stuff. yeah they're fucking all sober and shit now you know what i mean like <laughs> right <laughs> you can only do so much of that stuff so we've we've uh, we've just turned on sports, and I know you're a giant sports fan. And actually, when Frank was on the podcast, he was telling me about uh, you got a tour of ESPN. So tell me what yeah. what's a tour of ESPN like? Oh man, that was that was really cool, man. Uh, I I live in Bristol, Connecticut. Like, that's where the headquarters yeah. is, and uh, we know one of the guys that does like the the music department, and he invited us in. And uh, you have to go through this whole security thing. It's like real. It's like fucking locked down. And, it's, <laughs> and if you've never seen it, like like the compound is it's insane. They're just taking over neighborhoods. So like like straight right. up, there used to be woods back there. It used to be a small building, and then it just morphed into this massive thing. Like it looks like the moon of Endor, <laughs> you know, with all the satellites and shit yeah. like that. I mean, there's satellites as big as this building. Oh, here, I bet. You know? And uh, so you go in there, and it's just like sound stages and studios and you know like down they have like all kinds of props everywhere and, and whatnot yeah and uh every I, everyone we ran into like uh like sportscasters and you know everyone they were everyone was really cool we walked through the office and, and met a couple people and uh we got to sit on the set and you know they take a, pic, a couple right. pictures there that's and, cool and and fucking believe it or not, they're catering like you know they, where they're they do all the lunches and everything. That that is insane. They have like <laughs> they have a brick oven down there yeah. and like I bet and shit like that. And but everyone I met man, everybody's really cool man. It's, it's a huge part of the city where I'm where I live. It's they pay the most taxes. Like Disney owns the shit. Yeah, obviously. right, right. And it's yeah, man. It's it's a cool experience. You know, yeah. I mean? it, it, it is what you think what it, it is. You know, being big sports fans, I mean, are do you get a lot of uh, you know athletes coming out to Hebrew shows that you wouldn't expect? Um, I mean, I, I know athletes are into our shit, like yeah. for sure, man. And and like you know, we stay in the mix with all that. Like, uh, we actually had a Cleveland Indians player come out to, to one of our songs. We went to an Indians game. Oh, that's so awesome! We were like chilling in the clubhouse, uh, and uh, it was Shane Spencer, being the Yankees. And uh, we went in there, like started meeting everybody, this and that. And they put us up in a suite. Totally like like what the hell are you bring right. us up here for you know what I mean? But then he came out to I think we, uh, we had our covers record out. He came out to one of those songs. Oh, that's awesome! And uh, yeah, man, we've we've met tons of people, man. Fucking cool, man. He, Frank actually has a, a hookup with uh, one of his boys in the Cleveland area. Oh, nice! And uh, yeah, we're all about sports, man. Like, because <laughs> there's something to do while we're out here. But you know, yeah. besides all that, we're huge, heavily into it. I had uh, I had. I'll, I'll leave the name off of here, but I'd, I'd had a friend that played for the uh, Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning, won a couple Stanley uh, Stanley Cups, mm -hmm. and he came through Nashville, and he called me up. He was like, hey, you know, me and a couple of guys want to go out and have a good time. Where can we go? I took, drove him around and took mm -hmm. him a few places. And, you know, I'd been out with countless musicians and, you know, quote-unquote rock stars and taking them to clubs, and girls really didn't really react but I took those hockey players out, and word spread that there were like athletes in the building. It's the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, there's chicks probably see dollar signs when that's like, like look at that dude over there. Like, I mean, I, I've known a bunch of athletes. They're all cool, man. Oh they're, yeah, they're, they're kind of like on the same level as us. They probably travel a lot better, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit better. Yeah, it's got to be crazy, man. So your New York Giants. What's what's going on with Odell Beckham Jr., man? I don't know, man. Like a couple weeks ago, I was pretty pissed. I was, not, he's a great player, but I, he's easily uh, taken out of the game mentally. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like he did stupid fucking plays and penalties. <laughs> it's like, dude, like it's as a fan, you're watching it. You know, it's it's all right if you like you're playing hard, but when you're just making stupid mistakes and going overboard and costing your team penalties and and then you know like the game, those <laughs> those things add up, man. Yeah. I think he pulled it together this week, though. I don't know if you saw the game. I think I did. I, th- I saw a little bit. I know I saw highlights. I was, yeah. I, I was excited. My team finally won another game. So, <laughs> but uh, what's your team? Tennessee. Tennessee oh, right. Titans. Yeah. All right. Beat our, the Browns. Uh, our guys were at that game. Actually, they had a, they had a day off in uh, Nashville. Oh, nice. Yeah, they went to that game. Oh, Browns. That's... Browns and uh, Titans. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, Odell and the uh, the kicking net. You know, he proposed to it. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, now he's kissing it. Now he's laying down with it after every play. I, d- I just think he needs like. I mean, he's a young dude. He's got to mature. I yeah. mean, he has the talent. Like obviously, you know, and and he's not the whole team. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, he's great target. Knows what he's doing out there. But he, like, you can't let dude psych you out before you're even on the field. You know what Your I mean? coach has like the best mustache. Like it's, oh, it's, 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 it's not Jeff Fisher level, but it's a great mustache. Oh yeah. It's sick. <laughs> yeah. You, you have to back that. I mean, it's almost like, like seventies porn. Like that. I just hope he has a good year. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, cause without Tom Coughlin, it's, you know, everybody's going to be put up to that, to that bar. You got right. to do what he did, you know? And was he, I mean, at the end of the day though, I mean, I guess Tom, you guys won two Super Bowls with Tom, but I mean, is it, is he looked back on more fondly than maybe when he was there? Because I know he went, up, you know, had his huge ups and downs. Yeah, I mean, he was always he did some stupid shit once. I mean, every I think every coach <laughs> does though. You know, what I mean, like they have their days. But I mean, he was pretty consistent, and uh, I always like Parcells too. Like like yeah. going back like that far until he had anything to do with the Cowboys, and then I just wrote him off. But um, I mean, part, I mean, Kyle Coughlin was good, man. Like I mean. Sometimes you would like turn beat red. You thought he was gonna like have a heart attack or something on the field. But, uh, what was that game where you was that in Green Bay in the playoff game where they were just like cha- like their faces were covered in that uh, chapstick and stuff? Oh and yeah, he was like super red. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually I think that was a playoff game. Yeah, I, was. I was uh, hanging my friends. He was a Green Bay Packers fan, and we were watching this that game in, in his shed. We had like three TVs going. And the Giants won that game, and yeah. I saw my friend put a sledgehammer through one of those TVs, and I oh, was like, "It's great!" It was it was so awesome. I mean, it was like his wife was like, "Fucking, what the fuck are you doing right now?" But, <laughs> but we were just laughing. We thought it was the greatest thing ever. What do you think about like? Obviously, you guys started touring in the late '90s, and through technology, you mm-hmm. know, begin back then you had no idea what was going on with the Giants, but now you know your cell phone, you get the NFL Sunday ticket on your phone if you wanted. You know how 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 much is that? Uh, how much have you seen that progress over time? Oh, it's great, man. I mean, it's it's easier to follow up with with everything you know, sports related, yeah. man. Like, I love that. I love like the, like playoff baseball. Like Sundays, Saturdays, and Sundays on our bus is all football, man. Like like overseas too. Like like in Europe, like sometimes we have like games we can't see. I mean, the shit's going on at like fucking midnight, one o'clock over there. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. So we're like, fuck, we got to catch the late game. So. <laughs> Hurry up, get this, hurry up, get the show over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no encore tonight. You are listening to Talk To Me on Lost Anarchy Radio. A new life begins! Yeah. 
from LA's own downset and non-con. And you are definitely getting it from the horse's mouth listening to Talk To Me on Los Anarchy Radio. <laughs> the one thing I always hear about you guys is, uh, you know, your set lists are, are they, are they still kind of just called out? Oh yeah, it's all called out. There's nothing. We we just have a a sheet that Frank made up all the you know the songs by pretty much by album and all that. Yeah. And Jamie just calls them out. Wow, does that just kind of keep you on your toes still? Like, or are there songs that maybe you know you get called out and you're like, fuck, how does that one start or anything like that? No, because we kind of like we went over the list and we make sure that we kind of like freshen up once in a while. You know, if we haven't played a song that's on on the list, we'll be like, yo, we should throw that one on sound check. Yeah, Yeah, you know. At least to keep it in your mind, you know what I mean? Right. Jamie did something last night. We came out with, like, we've been doing Destroy Everything most of the tour. And then in Knotfest, we did, we started out with uh, To the Threshold. And we did that last night, too. But then he started doing, like, all the hits. I think we did I Will Be Heard second. And, like, and I, I was like, oh, shit, I'm not used to this right now. Like, like this, <laughs> this is really fucking me up. So then you have to, like, concentrate because you're used to it being yeah. towards the end of the set, you know? Yeah, you don't want to bust out all the hits right off the bat. Then you know people are. Oh, we did. We did it. It was good. It went over good. So how are you enjoying the new album, The Concrete Confessional? Like it's uh, some some killer songs on that one, man. Like it's, cool, it's amazing. Like that Seven Enemies is like probably the hardest song I've heard in a long time. Yeah, it's great, man. Uh, actually, when this show the show went from podcast over to we went onto internet radio, and uh, one of the first songs I ever played on it was Seven Enemies. I was like, God, this song is so good. That's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah we, we, we love this new record, man. Like, we're, we're like, really proud of it, and uh, it's gotten, like, great response. And uh, everywhere we go, man, people keep raving about it. And it's just cool to be, like, you know, like, 22 years in and, yeah. and have an album that's, like, relevant. You exactly, know I mean? like, yeah. Like, we could just be playing off of fucking Satisfaction, mm-hmm. but we try and keep it, you know, like, good music and, and what everyone wants to hear from us and... Yeah, it's got to be refreshing to continue to put out music that people want to hear and not to just have, like, the one or two early albums in your career that, you know, you just, you just hope you put out one or two good songs on each album. And But I think this this album, you know, uh, God, I'm, I'm terrible with song titles and everything else, but, like, the 
uh, the shit in the hole, the the shit in the wall song or whatever, you know, like the, like all yeah. that stuff. It's just like, ah, oh, man, it's so good, so good. Yeah, it's cool, man. I mean, don't get me wrong, but like we're happy we have our old shit. That no, it's great to have. You a know, catalog. that's like the great foundation for our band, but we keep pushing. Yeah, we just want to keep relevant, you know what I mean? And and we don't want to be like, ah, we can rely on that. I mean, fuck that. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's great, but we always play those songs, and we appreciate every single person being yeah. into it. But we we want to write new shit. Have you? We want to keep pushing the bar. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. And the only cool thing, and like, you know, that's like, I went out and bought that on like opening, you know, opening day. This <laughs> is sports reference, but you know, yeah, day day it comes shit. out, and you know, a lot of it's because you know, you, you like Joss's show is like, mm-hmm. I think every band. If they don't have a one dude that does a podcast, even if you have twenty listeners, like you just need to have like that one guy in the band that just will do a podcast because it just gets you so I'm behind the scenes, like it's a weekly behind the scenes look into the band. You know. Yeah, I mean yeah. I, I get it. It's it's like content. I'm not a huge podcast guy actually. Yeah. Like you know, I just like I don't know, sometimes I just don't do I don't know. Not not what I do really. But I, I totally understand it, you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's cool and, and, and he loves doing the show and, and I think it is great for the band, you know, like it gets gets us out there, people you know Yeah. People want to hear other stuff, you know what I mean? What's what's really going on with people and Yeah, it's definitely you know, he's had that uh you know, ever since, like when he got Headbangers Ball, I was like, "What? <laughs> you know how to do? You know how to do?" Yeah, yeah, that, that was great. That for was it. crazy, and had to have been uh, huge for you guys because I mean, uh, how I don't know how big Kate Breed was at the time, but I mean, that's for him was, to get that. It was pretty good, you know. It was like roughly around the time, you know, like when uh, what was Perseverance must have came out, like somewhere yeah. somewhere around that time. I, I'm pretty sure. So it was like, yeah, it was good, man. He had that thing, kept us in the mix, you know what I mean, and. uh yeah, any little bit helps out nowadays because like people ain't buying records like they used to, right. and and you gotta like, you have to be so involved like with with your Instagram, your Twitter, mm-hmm. you, you know this and that. Like you like, you have to keep feeding people information and yeah. and you know giving them something to to want to be interested in in you and your band. Absolutely. So I know we don't have much time here left. You've got your uh, meet and greet coming up, so we'll wrap it up. But uh, you know, looking back on it, I mean, I was. 16, 17, 18 when Satisfaction came out. Mm-hmm. And you guys actually seemed like you guys toured on Satisfaction for like five years. <laughs> yeah, we did. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> but uh, every time I turned around, you guys were still on that tour. And, and uh, But like looking back on it, you know, back then you couldn't say Hey Breed without saying Snapcase and Earth Crisis. Mm-hmm, and a lot of, of those bands, like where did, where did you guys kind of veer off and, and kind of stay in the forefront to where like those guys maybe kind of took a left? And, and you know, there's doing reunion stuff here and there I mean, yeah you- i've seen them they're out there and, and carl and all the earth crisis guys are great friends of ours um i don't know i don't i, I we just kept at it like yeah. i don't know we we're kind of like stubborn and we just didn't we were like <laughs> we're, yeah we'll play with this band play with that band and you know and we, and we got really great opportunities that we you know we played with motorhead we played with danzig you know what i mean and then slipknot and yeah. slayer i mean I mean, that really opened the door for us. And if it wasn't for those bands, I mean, Earth Crisis was doing like those big tours. Yeah. They were doing Oscars way before us. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? So it's, I mean, they definitely opened the door for us. Yeah, it was cool. I, I saw you guys back, uh, was it Soulfly Neurosis? And you guys, yep. that was a great tour too. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> I think Neurosis played like four songs because <laughs> that's all the time they had. But uh, see, and then you've also got your Jackson signature bass, you know, mm-hmm. like how, how did that come come about, I guess? Um, our old sound guy was friends with uh, my friend Billy at, at uh, Fender, who with Jackson's under their okay. you know their whole thing there, and uh, he just asked me one day, he's like, "Hey man, do you want your own signature bass?" And I was like, <laughs> "Like, like what do you mean? Like just you know, give me one of them?" And he was like, "No, no, we're gonna sell it and shit." And I was like, "Well, of course, yeah, man. Right. Like, got to design it and everything, and and 
I mean, that's awesome. I still got like I got a new model that just came out. Oh, that's great. And uh, it's a, a white one, and uh, I'm getting new bases made right now. Like they're, they're really cool, man. They treat me well. Like stuff breaks, they send me out new stuff. They're you know it's they, Billy Siegel is is the, my guy over there, and uh, he's he's one of the best dudes in the entire music industry I've ever worked with. He's honest. He's he sticks to his word, and I mean it's it's very rare you find a relationship like that in, the, in this industry right yeah it's got to be good man yeah we ever thought about doing like the whole you know stage plate bass thing or or you know selling a signature model at the show kind I of mean, stuff I, I thought about it i mean it's, it's people ask me for it so i was yeah. like of course i i was like yeah i'll, I'll look into it so i actually i told them you know i want to see like what it would cost to get that done because i don't want to like charge ridiculous amounts of money either you know what i mean right. but but people want to they want the bass and I mean, it would be kind of cool if you get it from the guy that played it. Right. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. So uh, there is uh, some kind of market out there. So, I mean, yeah, don't be surprised if I start doing that because... <laughs> I mean, at this point, I mean, you have to find an avenue somewhere to, to... It's not just about playing the show anymore. It's so much other stuff. Like we talked about, you know, the podcast right. or, yeah, yeah. or something like that. You know, you have to find different avenues for everything. So it's a lot of... A lot of stuff out there, man. So we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap it up because I know you get your meet and greet. And um, no problem, man. But Chris, yeah, definitely. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you, and, man. Uh, Sorry, I was a little late. I was I was dicking around over at the Louisville Slugger Museum, and oh yeah, and I didn't realize what time it was. And our tour manager <laughs> is, is puking his brains out, and he didn't remind me. He's uh, he's sleeping. Like oh okay, he's like really sick, sick. So no, it's all good, man. When you don't have that guy going, hey, where are you? Uh, you know. Kind of slacked. Sorry about that. No, that's all good. <laughs> and Concrete uh, Confessional is out now. Uh, you know, just the, the, the immediate future for Haybreed? Um, now nah, we're actually going to take a couple months off after this. We've been going pretty hard since May. So we're going to take uh, definitely the rest of the year off. And then uh, we're going to see what pans out for next year. And uh, who knows? I'll probably work on some music <laughs> while I'm home You know, in the, in the downtime. But I definitely just want to take a, like a month just to fucking chill out and, and you know to get my <laughs> bearings you know well very cool man and we'll end this with a song so what's your favorite song off the new record or actually just any hate breed song throw one out there hate breed songs wow all right uh why don't you play slaughtered in their dreams well, wayne has an awesome solo in that and and i wrote most of that song so uh yeah check that one out fuck it awesome man well thanks for taking the time pleasure Blind division! How can they live?
Toomey on Lost Energy Radio. go guys that was my talk with chris Beatty of Haybreed, a little bit of Haybreed, and then also i had to throw some snapcase on there at the end i love snapcase and then i'm going to throw that out there into the universe if anyone has any connections with any of the guys from snapcase send them my way because i need them on the podcast so yes so snapcase if you're out there listening Come on the Talk To Me podcast. Oh, going to make it happen. But yeah, if you guys know anybody in Snapcase, send them my way. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
You know Puck Hockey is a boutique brand and none of their apparel is mass produced. In fact, they don't aspire to be the next Reebok or CCM, Converse, or the Reebok Pump. They want to ensure that you're getting a truly special and unique product that has been personally approved by the athletes, musicians, and artists themselves. They love adding little extras like custom labeling and one-of-a-kind zipper pulls, cool stickers, etc. And their goal is to engage you in total hockeydom and they look forward to pushing the boundaries and exceeding your expectations of what a hockey brand can be. They've got so many great things over there. They've got the Signature Series with Mary and Hosa, and the Thrashers and Slashers line, 36 Crazy Fist, Bumblefoot, David Ellison, Tom Hazart. Make sure you're going over to PuckHockey.com, and that's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. And make sure when you check out to enter the promo code TALK, T-A-L-K, and get 10% off your entire order. Yes, for my listeners, enter T-A-L-K at checkout for 10% off your entire order. Hosa shoots and scores! Wow, Hosa grabbed it out of midair! There's Hosa the relay scores! And now to the vaults of the Talk To Me podcast. We're going to go back a little ways and talk to American Standards. Brandon Kellum has uh, become a fast friend over the, over the past uh, few months. I wanted to throw this one back up, and uh, hopefully you guys checked it out the first time. Maybe you'll check it out again, listen to some music. And also, Corey's on this episode, but he doesn't really talk much, so uh, so mainly it's me and Brandon talking, and uh, Brandon Kellum's a very cool guy. Uh, we may or may not have a secret project out there that I still need to add some bass to, and uh, one day, I swear, guys, I will get around to it. And uh, so, yeah, so let's talk to Brandon Kellum and uh, Corey from American Standards. So let's check this out. Hey, this is Mark Mike from Ultra Bridge, and you're tuned into the Talk To Me podcast. Just want to say, appreciate you guys taking some time tonight to come on, man. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Appreciate you having us on. We're uh we were people that have definitely been listening to your podcast for a little while now, so we're excited to be guests on there. Very fun, very fun, very cool, man. Yeah, it was nice, to, nice for you guys to reach out. You know, I, I'm, I'm a vehicle for for bands and music, and I've I've tried to, you know, early episodes I was uh, throwing out, you know, hey, send in a track, I'll play it on the podcast, you know, anything you want, and like it's so funny, like how kind of dormant and quiet it's been, and then uh, and I've gotten a few people lately now popping up doing it, but uh, it's just like I always I talk about a lot on the podcast where you know like bands have so many avenues and so many outlets to get their music out now, and you know if I was in that situation to where you know my bands in the 90s and early 2000s, if I would have had all of these outlets, I would have been hitting up everybody I could, and it's just kind of funny to see you know, bands kind of being quiet and not doing it. So I commend you guys for reaching out. And uh, I know that you guys just recently uh, recorded with the Shoot the Shred podcast, Eric Hall over there, a great friend of mine. Uh, wow. You know, it's just great to see you guys, you know, uh, stepping up and, uh, you know, using the tools at your at your uh, utility belts or whatnot. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, you guys are friends. Uh, actually, Corey, Corey was on that, and I uh, I haven't heard it yet, but I'm excited. I hear they, they go into uh, depth on uh, System of a Down, which is, one of the bands we're we're constantly listening to while we're we're on the road. Eric is a great guy. Yeah, he's a fun guy. Actually, I podcasted with him last night. I'm going to have him on a on a future episode as a as a future episode, so we can we're trading some podcasts. So yeah, cool guy, man. I I, I thoroughly dig uh, the Shoot the Shred podcast, and he's got a very cool uh cool thing going on there. I try to get on there, but I always played bass, and I'm like, I can like talk bass or something, man. Let me on your podcast. And he's like, well, you know, maybe one day. <laughs> 
<laughs> so You're not bitter, but, uh, thing, right? Not bitter. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. He can be on mine, but I'll, I'll, I'll we'll see about his, right? Yeah. yeah. If shoot to shreds, listening. Uh, hint, hint. <laughs> right. I could be like, um, what? What would be the uh, base equivalent of shoot the shred? Like. Shoot the low or something. Man, shoot the groove. <laughs> shoot the shooty's groove. That was a great band. I feel right? like the 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 hip way to say it is you know the slap the bass podcast. Ooh, man, like the eight oh eight or something. Maybe I would just record. Maybe I've just uh, came up with my own new podcast. I'll just be the eight oh eight. That's probably already out there though. <clears throat> so what's going on with you guys, man? I know you guys are uh, you guys are finishing up the cycle with your new album, things like that. So you know, just kind of give us a quick breakdown of what's going on in the American Standard world. Yeah, so we uh, we put out uh, an EP actually, Hungry Hands, uh, about actually about a year ago now. It's been quite a while. We recorded it out in uh, California with our good friend Andy Marshall with uh, the Residency Studio. Um, at the time, it was kind of fill it out. We had uh, new members at the time. We've we've gone through. Uh, Quite a few member lineup changes over the years. We've been together about five years now. So this was uh, Hungry Hands was kind of our test with the, the new members. We put out three songs as an EP, and uh, we're finally getting back into the studio to start recording the full length. So we're really excited about that. Uh, we're also excited we're we're no longer on the label, so we're kind of working on our own timeline. So it uh, took off a lot of stress when it comes to uh, deadlines and how we have to go about doing it. We can work with the people we want to work with at the time that we want to work with them, which is awesome. Um, Also, I have a tour. This is actually our last tour here to support Hungry Hands coming up pretty soon, uh, starting May uh, 11th um, with Coma Prevail, which Coma Prevail is just an awesome band from uh, Tucson. Uh, It's uh, the guys from uh, The Bled, uh, Jeremy from The Bled's band, which... uh, Band we always, you know, loved uh, in Arizona. Great, uh, great local band here. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, talking about being on the label and stuff, and you guys were distributed through Victory. Yeah, yeah. When we first started, actually, really early on, we uh, put out uh, our first uh, uh, release, which was Still Life, and um, we put that out. And shortly after, we someone reached out to us. Greg um, reached out to us. Uh, with We Are Triumphant, and uh, that's kind of a label out of Boston that's uh, a subsidiary of Victory. And asked us, uh, you know, if we wanted to jump on and, and release with them. So we did a re-release, which was still live, released through uh, through Victory, and um, we did that for a while. And just it, it really wasn't something that uh, was our thing at the time. It got us. I mean, it did help us out in a way, but it uh, just wasn't for us, you know. I've heard a lot of like mixed reviews on Victory as a label, but uh, you know, just growing up in in the '90s and being a part of like. You know, obviously I was in new metal bands, but I was, you know, a fan of a lot of bands. And there was like there was a there was a time period where like Victory to me was, you know, Earth Crisis and Snapcase and Haybreed and, and all those were just great hardcore bands. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like the roadrunner of, you know, metal, you, you know, where you roadrunner would have Fear Factory and Slipknot and Sepultura. You, you know, they had that stamp on there. You knew it was going to be a good band. And it was kind of the same thing in hardcore if hardcore. If a hardcore band was on Victory, you know, they, you knew they were going to be a great band. You're listening to Talk To Me on Lost Anarchy Radio.
Hey, this is Matt Hazy from Stripping, and you're looking to talk to me. I mean, did you guys have a good uh, good time on Victory, or was it uh, kind of a rough go, like a lot of bands say? You know, for us, it was um, uh, we had pretty indirect relationship with them. You know, we were uh, very much a, a small band in a big, big sea of bands uh, at a time where where the music industry's you know changing. 2010, 2011 is very much where, uh, and even before that, obviously, are, are when labels are trying to find out how do we you know get our revenue back up to where it used to be. And I don't think labels have found that answer yet. Um, but the result of that is, uh, rather than dealing quality, let's just deal with quantity and you know put a bunch of bands yeah. out there and see what sticks. Uh, so unfortunately, we were just one band on a very large roster and a, a constantly growing roster that didn't have a lot of time for artist development. Um, so although it did help the name association, like you said, I mean, looking back at Victory, I think that, you know, they've released stuff like Snapcase, which I, I love Snapcase. I love I Snapcase. They released a Refused album. I think they did one of the early Every Time I Die albums. Um, but they've done a lot of really great stuff that we really, uh, looked up to. Um, but that was a much different time when, when it was in its, uh, you know, what I guess would, I would refer to as its prime. Yeah. It was like a DIY period of, of victory where, you know, I can even remember ordering stuff through their mail order catalog, you know, and like actually having to call them with my, you know, debit card at the time and, and you know, pre-internet, pre pre all that stuff. And, you know, I actually got a Snapcase hoodie through the through the mail at one point. And then, uh, you know, recently I had the Reverend Horton Heat on the podcast and I was kind of looking back at his stuff. And then I realized that he was signed to victory. I was like, the Reverend Horton Heat's on victory. What's going on? There's, there's something wrong with this picture. Yeah, back in the times where we used to find your music through the the free samplers or the the really cheap sampler compilation albums, right? Absolutely, man. So uh, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but I mean, you know, you sent me the email kind of breaking down the band and stuff and uh, just kind of go, uh, you know, with the tragedy of your your guitar player, you know, uh, passing away, committing suicide. I mean, that's I don't know. I don't even know the proper way of even asking that. I mean, but what were kind of the circumstances around that? Was he still in the band when he did that or was it just uh he had already left the band and and uh did that afterwards no he uh he he was in the band still he actually uh he he was one of the original members back when we started yeah. and uh he uh so he had left the band after we released still life i think actually during the recording of the death of rhythm blues is when he uh left the band and that was kind of a that that EP in general was kind of a big change for the band, and that much what we put into the the lyrics and the name of the album was uh, we we lost our guitarist at the time, uh, we lost our drummer, um, and we were kind of just going through the point where do we do we continue on with as American standards or do we start from scratch and and kind of figure it out from there. Um, so during the recording of that, uh, we found out that both the guys were going to leave the band. Uh, we were planning on doing a full length and. Uh, the whole thing was, do we want to record 10 songs with these guys that we know are going to leave the band, right, and record 10 songs with these guys, or do we just want to cut it at the five songs and, um, you know, bring new people in? So we, we cut it at the five, we did an EP, um, and then that's when we brought in new guys, and uh, that's when Corey, actually, uh, our, our guitarist now, he was at ba- on bass at the time, he switched from bass over to guitar, um, kind of filling the role that uh, Cody was in. Um, we decided to only keep one guitar instead of being the two guitars, and then we brought in a new drummer. Um, and then, and then just very recently, uh, within the last four or five months, is when, when unfortunately Cody had uh, committed suicide. Um, 
So something, you know, this strikes really close to home for us, obviously. Um, something I think that's definitely going to be um, something that, I know, we look back on for probably the rest of our lives and won't only impact the writing of the new album, but probably will just impact our outlook in general, you know? Um, yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, I can't even imagine, uh, you know, losing a band member, even a former band member. You know, I've played with so many people over the years, and if I lost any of them, I think, I think even today it would still be, it would still affect me. And if I was, uh, you know, even, you know, continuing in the band that we played in together, I think it would be rough, too. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, even, you know, you've got the after the burial stuff kind of going on with their guitar player passing and then, you know, you guys and stuff. I mean, it's just got to be tough on everybody out there trying to trying to, you know, continue on after uh, such a tragedy, man. So, you know, my condolences out to you guys and your fans and your friends and families and everything. So it's such a it's got to be tough. Yeah, yeah. You know, it feels weird. It feels weird just to think, you know, something that we've created. When we look back at, at, at songs that he's played guitar on and, and also done backing vocals on, it's weird to to think of uh, the fact that he's not there, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things I feel like uh, if there's anybody listening, obviously, or, or any of your people um, that follow the podcast, that are ever in a, a bad time, I just think it's one of those things that you just need to uh, reach out, talk to somebody, you know, sleep on it. You'll feel different, you know. Uh, emotions are a rough thing, and, and they take the best of you sometimes, but um, the thing is time really kind of changes the, your outlook on anything. Absolutely, guys. But, uh, all right, well, let's kind of switch gears and get, get to a much more happy place. And, uh, you know, just some of the bands you guys have toured with and uh, a lot of my favorites on there, too, like Atreyu and Every Time I Die. Anything stick out from, like, playing with those guys? I feel like I've been talking a lot. Corey, go for it, man. Um, I guess, like, shows that stuck out, um, the big one would definitely be Every Time I Die, at least for me, probably for all of us in the band. Um, I think that's been a band that we've always really looked up to. I think that's been a band that... Like that when we listen to that band, it's like, oh, that's exactly what like we want to do. That's that's to a T like how we feel, and to have the privilege to play with them, and not only like, oh, we're we're playing with them, not so much playing with them, but we're just like we're opening, we're the opening band for every time I die. But the sole fact that afterwards on that show we were able to actually converse with them, talk to them, and and hang out with them, and just really only in a sense like pick their brain and just really get to know them a little bit more just it was just like the last it was nail in the coffin it just it just made them so much cooler dudes to us and just super gnarly role models in a sense yeah one thing i mean i'm sure you know too from playing it's like there's a there's a vision that you have in your head of what the the bands that you really look up to are like and then there's what actually happens um, um i mean We've we've been the opening band or the support role for for tons of bands that we really really uh, admire. Um, but a lot of times, like you think, you know, I'm going to play the show and then we're going to have a couple beers, we're going to hang out and all this. And sometimes it's just you play the show and that's pretty much it, you know. Um, with every time I die, it was weird. I mean, before the show, uh, we we went out to a bar and you know Keith, uh, the singer's at a bar just doing shots and he gets actually a tattoo <laughs> with one of our buddies that night. Um, during the show, uh, you know, on stage, he's talking about us beforehand. They actually picked up some of our T-shirts and CDs and everything. And then after the show, you know, actually uh, went out back to the bar with us and had some more drinks with us. So just really stand-up guys, you know. That's kind of the experience you, you would hope as a, uh, as a supporting <laughs> band that you would have with every uh, touring band that you look up to. But unfortunately, it's not always that way, you know. You're listening to Talk To Me on Lost Anarchy Radio.
up, everybody? It's Tom Maxwell from Hell Yeah, and you're listening to Talk To Me. I talk about a lot on the podcast, and I talk a lot of, you know, obviously I have a lot of older guests on and a lot of, uh, you know, seasoned veterans in the music business. So let's just kind of turn it to you guys, kind of being, you know, five years strong into this band. And uh, I don't really know your previous history and how long you've been playing in bands, but, I mean, you've kind of grown up in the social media world of uh you know promoting your bands and stuff and um you know are you are you guys out there actually on the grounds talking to people handing out flyers or is it or is it the same adage of like you know just creating a facebook event and hoping you know it spreads and people come to your shows yeah yeah no that's a that's a good question that's actually that's what i like to talk about too um i I think i'm one of the few uh musicians or, or band guys that uh that nerd out over that type of stuff um I came up in a kind of a unique time in between, right? I mean, I think very much you 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 played uh, in Primer Fifty Five. That was around like late nineties is when that was going, right? Into the two thousands. Yeah, like two thousand one, two thousand two. Yeah, so I think that I mean that is <clears throat> such a such an interesting time for music because that's kind of right when you're at pretty much the climax of where where physical cells are really booming, right? And, uh, yeah. you know, your way of promoting, and this is and this is around the time I started. I started playing music in about 2001 or so. This is where you would, you know, get a stack of flyers from a promoter or print them up yourselves, and you'd drop them off at every single record store. You'd go to the skate shops. You'd go to the tattoo shops. You'd go to your local shows and flyer those shows. Um, I don't know that a lot of bands do that anymore, and I feel like we're, at least when it comes to Arizona, one of the few bands that have like adopted this hybrid of both. You know, we're we're still very much on the street, passing out flyers, creating a street team, getting our our friends and our fans uh, to to pass out flyers as well. Um, we're online, pretty much any social media website out there we're on, um, and we're talking to people as much as possible. I mean, just like this, if there's a podcast that I like or I listen to, um, if it makes sense for us to come on, you know, I'm I'm all for that. If there's a blog that I follow. I'm going to talk to those guys as well. You know, that's um, wherever people consume music, we want to be um, to see if there's anybody there that might enjoy what we're doing. Um, and I don't know a lot of people are just willing to put in the work anymore. If they want to uh, hope that in you know a couple of years they might get signed to a label and the label is going to do the work for them. But I just don't think it works like it did 10 years ago or, or 15 years ago. I think, you know, I think a lot of the bands today, I mean, I'll go to a show now and, walk in the show, watch the show, and leave the show, and not a single person has handed me anything. I don't know if it's because I look like the old guy now or what, but I mean, I haven't, I don't see kids flyering, I don't see, you know, flyers on poles, I don't see flyers anywhere I go, and it's it's kind of a sad thing because, you know, it's almost like an art form if you could, you know, put together a nice flyer and, uh, you know, just to get to, get that one-on-one physical, you know, talking to people and saying, hey, check out my band. Hey, I'm in this band. Hey, you know, this is for you, and let's talk about this kind of thing. And uh, I think I think that's a lost art, and I would like to see, you know, kids kind of bring it back. Yeah, no, that, that's that's exactly right. I, I've listened to a, quite a few of your podcasts, like, within the last few days or so, and I can't remember what <laughs> guests you had on, And uh, but I remember you guys were talking a little bit about um, – the whole idea that it's easier as a musician to to be a musician now to put out music it's cheaper and easier to record it's cheaper and easier to go on tour and to to, to do a lot of things that um, you know ten years ago were much more complicated. I, I think that that same aspect goes for for promoting your band. It's it's absolutely free to put up a Facebook page and to throw up a post, 
But let's face it, no one has seen that post. And that post right. is lost in a sea of other bands doing the exact same thing. But when it comes to, you know, creating a flyer, printing it out, going to a show, talking to people, making genuine connections, that takes that takes time and that takes a little bit of money as well to do. And a lot of people aren't willing to do that. Um, so, I mean, we want to be the people to do that. If anybody wants to go to your show, the first thing that's going to get them in the door is they actually feel a connection to the band Um and that connection for us, I mean, a lot of times just comes from talking to people. I mean, we like to, t- like to talk to people. Hell, if we're talking to you right now and you didn't even air this, we would just uh, <laughs> get the fact out of this that we're you know connecting to you as a person. Yeah, no, definitely. It's uh, it's nice. That it's that's the one thing I've liked through the podcast is you know people reaching out and meeting new people and getting to interview you know not only my friends but also just uh you know new guys through the through the podcast and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a fun thing, man. It's a fun thing to reach out to new people and to uh, to make connections and things like that. And obviously, you know, prior to this, uh, prior to you guys coming on, I was not aware of your band. But I mean, you know, through the last kind of how you're binge listening to the podcast, I've been, you know, listening to your stuff on Spotify and checking out videos and things like that, trying to get a basis of what I'm getting myself into. All of that works, you know, all of that. Obviously, you know, next time you guys come through the Louisville area. I'm going to be there. So that's one more person you've got, uh, you know, coming to check out the show. So it's, it's, Mission it's fun. Right. <laughs> there you go. Now the host of the talk to me podcast will be at your show. One podcast host at a time. We're going to make this right. Yeah. Go through uh, Michigan. You got Eric Hall, get through, <laughs> get through the Kentucky area. You got me. <laughs> so it, slowly, but surely you'll have a nice fan base, but no, man, it's just, uh, the one thing I always joke about and, you know, always, uh, talk about you know i haven't played in a band in i think the last show i played was maybe like 2009 ish somewhere in there and um people always talk about uh i miss parts of it i miss uh i miss the actual just physically being on stage stuff i don't necessarily miss like band practice i don't necessarily miss like you know arguing and writing maybe i miss a little bit of that too it's kind of like the football adage you know when people when when the players retire they don't necessarily miss the games they miss the locker room i think that's that's probably what i miss the most is kind of the just the locker room traveling i i was i loved touring i loved uh you know being in the van and just sitting and looking out the window and contemplating life as a young 20 year old you know trying to figure out why i'm on this earth and all that silly nonsense but uh and that's but no, it's, part it's, being in a band, right? I mean, it's funny because when you talk to people, a lot of people think that being in a band is writing music and playing shows. But really, that's the smallest part about being in a band. The biggest part about being in a band is, you know, driving for eight hours to the next show. If you don't like the people right. you're driving with, if you're not having a good experience in that time, you're only playing 30 minutes on stage, maybe 45 minutes on stage. And that's the very, very smallest part of the uh, the experience. I talked about this with Bobby from Primer 55 when he came on the podcast, but you know, when I joined Primer, they were in a very bad place, you know, kind of the end of the band turmoil, everybody hated each other, but the one new thing in the band was me. So they all hated me just because, and so like they would just give me, you know, like the, 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 uh, kind of looking back on it might have been hazing or just you know just they you know they hated each other but they collectively could come together and just pick on me so it was funny man i would just get you know they get back in the van and just put headphones in and just go to sleep or or just avoid them at all costs it was it, it was a very like when i left that tour it was a very sour taste in my mouth for touring but uh it's uh you know obviously since then i toured with them again in like 07 and you know i'm bobby and i are stayed constant you know stayed friends afterwards and stuff so 
it was a bad time to to join a band and then to kind of get to follow your chase your dreams and it was like a bad time for them so it was it was a a culmination of a whole lot of things that kind of came together and uh, yeah you were just talking about you know the the trying to ride in a van with people you don't like and uh, that's totally what that reminded me of yeah no it's it's rough i think uh, at this point where where we're at as a band now i mean we everybody's on the same page everybody's marching towards the the same goal and um and another beautiful thing about it is none of us are depending on this band this in the sense that no no one in this band thinks that this this band american standards is their ticket to fame or their ticket to fortune or any of that we've all been in bands i mean i personally have been in bands for about 15 years now and uh and i personally know that although i'm putting my entire heart and soul into the band um when it comes to it Everything that I'm getting from the band is exactly what I need, and I don't need more. So if the band doesn't, you know, become a larger band and start touring with these other huge bands and making all this money, I'm not let down because that's not what I'm expecting. I think when you're a younger guy, you expect a lot more, and when you don't meet those expectations, you're just bummed out all the time. And that's when you're in the van thinking, "What the hell am I doing?" You know, you know, we're, we're we just played to 15 people. Now when I play to 15 people, I'm like that's pretty cool. These 15 people had no clue who I was before the show. And these 15 people were getting into it. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a tough thing too. And and being on the other side of that with the 15 people thing, the last primer tour we did, we played some shows in front of 15 people, but instead of 15 people that didn't know who you were, it was 15 people that knew who you were and knew every word. So it was like the most bizarre, bizarre world that I'd ever been in. You know, you're playing and you're like, damn, there's like 15 people here, but like, those 15 people are getting into it like it's Ozfest 2000 and you're like, shit, I better put on a good show tonight, you know, cause these people pay their money to see a good show and I don't care that there's nobody here. And uh, it was, it was a tough tour, man, but it was fun to, fun to get through. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, I think <laughs> when it comes down to it, people are paying money and, and even more than paying, you know, the five or 10 or $20 entry. They're, they're spending their time, right? They're taking their time out of their life. To, to go see you. So regardless of how many people are there, I think you've got to put on a hell of a show. You are listening to Talk To Me on Lost Anarchy Radio.
everybody, this is David Ellison from Megadeth, and you're listening to the Talk To Me Podcast. Yeah, no, I was just saying, I mean, it, it, I think we've come to a part where it, it's cool for us now that uh, we have been around for, 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 or for five years now, and uh, in that time, we've played different cities in different places, in which uh, when we go back to them, even if it's six months later or a year later, we start to see some of the same faces and people wearing our T-shirts and people that are excited to talk to us. That you know, the first time we went, there might have been you know 40 or 50 people, and the second time there were 70 or 80, and then the third time even more. So it's cool to see some of the same faces as well as new people. You know, um, when when you're playing back home, I mean, we we played in Arizona for so damn long now that I don't, it, it's weird because I feel like we keep seeing the same crowds. You know, <laughs> we we get younger crowd that's a lot of the same people yeah you just it, 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 I wouldn't even I don't even know like I would just say like I would say at least for me it's like oh you see your friends there but those people have been coming to your shows so long like to every show that it just becomes that they become your friend yeah it's your friend at oh yeah point. yeah that's a good point I mean there's a lot of people that honestly I would say and I was talking to Joey about my, my girlfriend about this the other day I would I would assume uh, uh, sorry ladies I'm taken no i <laughs> about 90% of the people that I know, if not 95% of people I know in my life, a lot of people I know through music. Yeah. And there, there's a very, I could probably count the people I know outside of music on, on one hand. And then everybody else is people that I know through music, including my girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and, and including even the way that I've gotten everything is all through connections of people that I knew through the band. I definitely know that feeling, man. I, you know, I, it's funny too. I was thinking about this the other day, and I'm sure you can relate. But uh, you know, when people talk about traveling and stuff, and you know, like, have you ever been to, you know, what city? Let's say Kansas City, and you're like, yeah, I've been to Kansas City, and like, have you ever seen this? I'm like, no, I've seen the club, and maybe, and maybe like a one block radius around the club. But I can tell you that I've been to Kansas City. You know, it's it, that's that's another part of touring. I always think that's funny. You could say uh, the Kansas City gas station has great bathrooms or great taquitos. Yeah, but uh, right. Yeah, no, that's that's another funny thing about touring is I think when you're touring, a lot of people, like especially your family, you know, they think that you're out there like seeing all the sites and all the the landmarks. But you're right, you're seeing like pretty much what's walking distance from the venue. Absolutely. Well, for the most part, I mean, that's kind of how we've always lived. It's like you wake up and you drive six to eight hours to get to the next venue. You get there with just enough time to grab something to eat and do sound check, and then you kind of hang out around the venue. Um, we on our our last uh, larger tour, we were lucky enough to actually um, have you know we had bunk beds in the van. Uh, we were driving through the night. A lot of the times it was actually Corey driving through the night, and uh, we would wake up every day in the new city, and we actually had a whole day to experience the city, which was something in the last 15 years of playing music I've never had. Uh, so it, it was beautiful, but it was also a hell of a lot more expensive because then you're like, wow, I have like. 12 hours to go drink at bars and go go, like pay money to go see the Space Needle and go to this amusement park or whatever it is. It's like it's so much more expensive when you have time to waste your money. Yeah, it's always funny too with a tour like that where you know you don't meet most of the people until after the show and then by that time you're packing up to leave to go to the next town. So you've sat there all day, and then you know you meet someone at the show. It's like, oh man, I could I work at the Space Needle. I could have got you in for free. And you're like, well, shit, I'm leaving town now. You know, things like that. You don't actually get to to meet all the the people that would uh, be able to take you around town, and you know would love to take you guys to go see you know the sites of, and give you the their their tour of whatever city they live in. 
you know, so you meet those people for like a two or three hour increment, you know, two or three hours after the show and then you're on to the next town. So it's always tough. But I mean, you got to keep in touch with those people and I guess hit them up the next time you go through. Plus, it's like like you said, you've been playing music for for a long time. A lot of people you have on the podcast, you know, through playing music. Um, it, it's all connections, and one one day, if you're just kind people, and you know, you're just a stand up person to people, they'll be a stand up person to you. You know, they all kind of uh, full circle. Huh. Absolutely, guys. Well, let's uh try to start landing this plane. Like uh, I, that's my new thing on the podcast. I'm gonna stay. Say, let's start landing this plane. Just <laughs> see if it was roll here. <laughs> that'll be my uh, that'll be my catchphrase or something. You know, but uh, no, just say you know what's going on with American standards. What's the future? I know you guys are about to start recording stuff like that. Yep. So in uh, May, we've got the, the tours, the, the diners, drive-ins, and uh, stage dives tour because we're nice. very punny. And uh, so we're doing that tour. So you can go on our any of our pages, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, uh, everything else. We Pinterest. pretty much have it on Pinterest, uh, UGES, um, Pornhub, all those. You can find uh, <laughs> the dates on there. After that, we're going in uh, June. We're going out to California to record... <laughs> Um, a full-length album at Kingside Studio Labs, and Kingside Studio Labs that we're really excited about. Um, it's just got this crazy diverse clientele. Uh, when you look at the people that have recorded there, it's it's a mixture of everybody from um, death metal to pop punk to to uh, classic rock and country and beyond. Um, they have several rooms, and each room is specified towards like what type of sound you're trying to get. So we're really excited about going there to record the full length, um, and that should be out by the end of the year. Um, outside of that, it's just kind of whatever comes our way. I mean, luckily, like I said, we're in a point in our career right now where we're we're working on our schedule and we're, we're enjoying it. Anything I well, awesome? What's that about life? Anything I missed about life here? Life. I think Corey's all talked out from the Shoot the Shred podcast. I think we need to give him a break, maybe a lozenge for his throat or something. Have you heard it yet? I'm uh, I'm excited to hear it. I haven't no, heard I it. Yet. Oh, okay. No, I ta- I think I, we talked a little bit about it last night. He said he said it was really good, so he can't wait to get it out. I can't. I I, I could talk to that guy all day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, Chris is like system. I'm like yes. <laughs> so I'm wrong with so system this, uh, down, yeah. this is There's true. Nothing wrong. Uh, okay, so this, what's your favorite system album? Yeah, I'm gonna have to say to- toxicity. Yeah, I'm here. Are you there? That's a good. That's a. I mean, that's a good choice. I, I personally feel that the first two albums are the best. Self-titled and, and, and toxicity by far. I, I don't yeah. know that everybody feels that way, but I also feel like with music, like there's this thing where people ask you about building your top five albums or your your top ten artists or whatever. And for me, it's, it's hard to distinguish like what is actually either technically or musically a good album or what just holds this like nostalgia where I'm like, I remember listening to this in the point of my life where I became an adult. You know, like I feel like yeah. the majority of stuff in my life was that like, what's the 13 to 23? Like when I was 13 years old to when I was 23 years old, what did I like during that time? And that's pretty much around where, where I stayed at. So when I talk about my favorite albums, they're all in that yeah, time sure. frame. Talk to me on Lost Anarchy Radio. Disguise, while the stomach pains and the 
Here's the question that uh, Eric Hall gave for uh, Jim Brewer, and I'll give it to you guys, too. Yeah. All right, so taking the big four, you know, being Megadeth, Metallica, Slayer, Anthrax, yeah. what would be your dream lineup of those? What would be, make your supergroup band? Like top four bands? No, no, no. Take members of those bands oh. and make your supergroup. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, well, he would be the lead singer. He is not in one of those bands. Okay. Well, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say the wrong answer here. You'd assume, I mean, Carrie King's going to be on guitar, right? No, God, no. Never. I hate Carrie King. <laughs> <laughs> Corey's just like all the Metallica guys. No, God, I don't like them either. Fuck Dave Mustaine. Fuck that guy. <laughs> he fucking, like, fired his guitar tech for, like, putting wrong strings on his shit or some shit. Yeah, the funny thing is, like, when I look at the the the, the, the four, I'm not a huge fan of any of them. I, mean, like, I like Scott Ian. He's cool. Although, I mean, like, I like Metallica, like, to he'd kill be, them all he'd albums. He'd be the guitarist. Scott yeah. Ian? Yeah, he'd play guitar. You're like, my band only has a guitarist. He's cool. <laughs> uh, he'd be guitar. Um, well, I don't, Megadeth, wait, 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 Megadeth, uh, their new drummer is from Lamb of God, so he's going to play so drums. He's going to play so, drums. Um, so we, Scott Ian and Chris Adler so far? Yes, absolutely. Um, you got to get a vocalist in this one. <laughs> uh, well, we'll just we'll kill two birds with one stone and get Slayer and bass okay. and vocals. Call it a day there. Right. And we got a three piece. That's all you need. There you go. <laughs> a three piece and band. All right. Telecadus are in it, right? No, none of them. None of them. I would agree well, with that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 I would agree. With that. <laughs> After suicidal tendencies, he rips. But yeah, Rob Trujillo is awesome. Yeah, Rob Trujillo is he, pretty he, nice. he rips. Um, can we have two bass players? <laughs> hey, it's your it's your supergroup, you know. It can be uh... in there. He, he'll just crap. He'll he'll just do that weird walk he does. <laughs> he won't even have a bass. He'll just walk like that across the stage a few times. Yeah, I feel like I mean, for me, Metallica is like Kill 'Em All, and then like Black Album was the last you could probably say it was an, a decent album, but that's pretty negligible I think yeah do you remember that uh, do you remember that like reality show where like Ted Nugent and Scott Ian and they had to make <laughs> yeah. like super group Sebastian Bach <laughs> Sebastian Bach yeah oh my god how shitty was that <laughs> do, you, do you remember what Sebastian Bach wanted to call the band though no I don't he had like this big he was like he wanted to call it Fist he like kept like putting his fist up and he's like let's call the band Fist <laughs> <You know? laughs> they called it like 
What, to, it was like it was a pun off democracy, and their logo was like a dollar bill. Like what? Uh, were they like da- democracy or yeah, something like stupid like that? Yeah. <laughs> That's, so stupid. That's funny. Right, Corey I, comes through in the end. Yeah, I did, yeah, I did, uh, this stuff that we're better at actually is just talking BS stuff. <laughs> of answering questions. Like normally, honestly, when we talk to people, we talk like, where'd you get the band name from? And how long have you been a band? So it's like, honestly, we were way better at just like just shooting stuff. Shooting this I really try to not do that stuff. I try to... I try to keep it as much uh, conversation as I can, but I, I think you know sometimes you gotta, you gotta have, have a starting it. off point and stuff. But yeah, for the most part, if I you know could just sit there and shoot you know shoot the shit about something, I would probably I would much rather hear I would much rather hear a podcast like that than hear you know why did you pick up the guitar yeah. for the four thousandth time you know. <laughs> so I'm kind of curious. So like I mean I and you don't have to put this in the podcast or you can whatever okay your special content. But for Primer 55, like, who were you listening to at the time where that got you into that? Because I started thinking about, like, yeah, and you guys were, like, more of the new metal and rap metal. I started thinking about all the, the, the new metal and the rap metal bands that I used to listen to back in, like, 2000. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, I mean, I, I always think about, like, all right, what band came first and what band drew influence from other bands. So what band would you say is, like, huge influences for you? All right, so I'm 37. So I was... When Corn came out in '94, I was 15, and like they, pretty much like up to that point, I was listening to Pantera and Sepultura and Machine Head. I was into like Metallica and Megadeth, all the thrash and stuff. And go. then, and then, uh, and then like Corn came out, and it, it, was, it was kind of a culmination of, you know, we were kind of getting into Faith No More, and we were getting into Biohazard, and some of that, some of the rap metal-y stuff was starting to pop up, and then. I think Korn kind of changed the game for everybody. And then the Deftones came out right after that. And then even, man, like, as much... Well, I've said it on the podcast before. I'm not even ashamed of it. But, I mean, when Limb Biscuit came out, it fucking blew my mind, you know. And they were... Ashamed of that. Uh, they were one of the first bands that, you know, just kind of had that... Like, if you went and saw them, like, we... I might... I had a local band in Tennessee open for them in 97. And, like, right when $3 Bill Y'all came out. They had, like, nobody there. It was, like maybe a hundred people in a small club and they were the most amazing live band I'd ever seen. And then I, after seeing them over and over a few times, I mean, you know, Limbiscuit in their prime was a ridiculous band. Like they were so like, had so much charisma and it factor and all that other crap. And, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty insane, but I mean, I was, you know, I was listening to everything. And by the time I hit primer, I think I was, you know, I was listening to a much, System of a Down, Obituary, and just all kinds of crazy stuff. So, but but Primer was the band that I enjoyed. I'd actually auditioned for them uh, prior to the the second album coming out, and then you know once that that bass player that they did choose kind of flaked out, they they called me, you know, kind of I was kind of like second in line kind of thing, and got the got the call back there. But uh, but yeah, it was um so you know at that time it was a whole lot of you know. Uh, as much Pantera as it was Limp Biscuit and Corn, it was a yeah. very very diverse time in my uh, musical my CD collection. Yeah, no, I, I don't uh, I don't think that I uh, fall too far from that either. I think I mean Pantera was always one of the, the first metal bands that I actually can say that I got into. You know, um, like Vulgar Display of Power is just one of the you know one of the most pivotal albums for me. But then what actually started getting me into like hey maybe I can play music too was my I started listening to bands like Deftones, you know, like what yeah. like adrenaline was, was just like, 
everything on Adrenaline is just fantastic. I mean, I was in a band for the longest time that just did like multiple covers off Adrenaline, Adrenaline like Engine Number Nine and Seven Words and all those. Um, and then System of a Down, you know, self-titled album was huge. And uh, with all of us, that's like it's funny because like when we the music we play is very far from the music we listen to on the road. Yeah. I mean, we're all huge fans of System and all huge fans of of Deftones and System of or uh, Slipknot and and Rob Zombie and all those bands of that uh, time frame. Yeah, you know what's funny is even kind of going back, and I, I actually never brought this up on the show, but uh, like in the in the '80s, like I was, you know, obviously a little kid. I was seven, eight, nine, ten years old, but I had cousins that loved, you know, Motley Crue and Warrant and and all those bands, just all the you know Firehouse and all the glam bands, and you know Kiss, and then in the '80s, like when they were super glammed out and the Vinnie Vincent Invasion, all that stuff. And I was listening to that stuff with them, and I was really into it, and I was really into metal and like the you know the glam rock and stuff as a kid and i wanted to play music but i was like looking at the album covers going if i've got to look like that i don't want to play it you know and it was you know the the poison guys and i was like if i gotta wear makeup i'm not wearing i'm not playing music so it actually deterred me from playing music for a few years until uh until like metallica kind of you know showed up in my brain and and uh i got i got to see just four dudes on stage i was like oh i could do that and then uh but you know they were, you know superior like superior musicians, and so like when Corn and stuff started popping up, I mean not to say that they're not superior musicians, but I mean they weren't ripping solos and playing super fast and thrashy and these complicated technical death metal riffs. I mean they were playing pretty basic riffs, and uh, you know to where I was like, oh I could play that too, you know. So it was like it was like a constant progression of, of uh you know they kind of dumbed music down to me, but I think they to to kind of it's just raw basic bones because you know at that point up until corn and some of those bands i mean you you had ingve malmsteen and you know steve Vai and gary hoey and all these crazy guitar dudes you know they were just like continuing to uh, progress and keep going it was it was an insane time for music so yeah new metal is really where it started being about uh let's not show how how much we can shred and uh and show off, but like, how can we just write a song that makes sense? You know, like write a good sh- song structure that people get stuck in their head. And I, yeah. I think that for uh, for a lot of people and myself included, that's what was like more welcoming. You know, it's like, yeah, I can do this. I can, I can jump in. And I started off on guitar, playing in bands and guitar. It's like, yeah, I could I can write a good song structure. I can't shred balls like some other people can, but uh, I can write <laughs> right. some songs. You know. Yeah, and it was more based on groove too, which I always I enjoyed that more than uh, you know playing like a, playing in a thrash metal band would have been you know it's it's fun it's technical and it's but there's no groove to it there's no you know that kind of backbeat almost hip hop kind of thing that a lot of the new metal guys had and even uh, as in another band you know Helmet Helmet was a huge influence on me back in the day you know just very bass driven you know guitar noise stuff like that so yeah it was a lot, but that was basically what was all going on in my brain but I mean I. Even when I was in Primer, I was still listening to, you know, technical metal and stuff like that, too. So so the songs I was playing on stage, I'd get off stage and listen to Deicide. So, you know, you never know what I was doing. Yeah, no, I think with us, it's, it's actually, we've always been kind of in an interesting spot as a band for, for American Standards because we're, we're always either uh, the very softest or less technical band on the bill. Uh, we get put on, I mean, like our next uh, local show coming up is like, Winds of Plague and um, and Rings of Saturn and just very heavy, fast technical bands, um, or we get put on very soft shows or very very punk rock shows. So we're almost always kind of like the odd man out, but it almost always works in our, our advantage in a sense because 
when you have a, a bill that has five or six bands on it and they all sound the same, um, none of them really stand out. And I feel like regardless of what show we put on um, or were put on, um, a lot of the times we stand out because I, I think promoters and the people that help us book our shows just don't know what show we would naturally fit on. Yeah. Right. And the last thing, I guess, just make sure to let them know where you, they can find you guys online. Uh, pretty much everything slash American Standards. We're on Facebook slash American Standards. Um, we're on Instagram slash American Standards. Tumblr. Uh, I think the only uh, thing that's different is our Twitter, which is American Standards, but Standards is uh, S-T-N-D-R-D-S. Um, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, uh, pretty much everywhere, man. Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Yeah, all our stuff <laughs> is free on Bandcamp. Just take it. We're listening to Talk To Me on Lost Energy Radio.
one Benton Deicide, and you're listening to Talk to Me. And there you have it, guys. My chat from the vault of the Talk To Me podcast with Brandon and Corey from American Standards. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I enjoyed uh, going back through and listening to that again and uh, kind of seeing where, you know, where the podcast has come. You know, the sound quality and that was a little bit meh, but it was nice to add some music to it and uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. And uh, also, if you guys are still listening, I always like to throw a little stuff at the end here. Um, I'm going to have a Hatebreed 8x10 giveaway. I had posted on some social media recently an old 8x10 from uh, their Victory Records days that, you know, Jamie and uh, Chris are the only two left in the band. And uh, I'll give you a quick story about, you know, I talked to Jamie Jost a little bit at the show, and it was kind of cool to, to, to talk podcasting with him for a second. But, uh, you know, after my interview with uh, with Chris, you know, we kind of refer to uh, – they're they're having a meet and greet at six o'clock like throughout the interview a couple times i'm like hey you know we gotta wrap it up you got the meet and greet coming up so uh so yeah i walk upstairs with all of my gear i've got like a backpack on and a you know computer bag with all my all of my recording gear and um mike and uh eric from off our meds podcast were actually going to the hate breed vip and I see him, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm going to start talking to him. And uh, I just started walking with him. And next thing I know, I'm walking upstairs to the VIP area. And I just kind of hang back. And I kind of look like I'm doing something because, you know, I've got a I've got a backpack and a you know computer bag. Who the hell, you know, I'm a, I look like I might be doing something, something positive, you know, maybe with the band or something. So nobody really asked me anything. So kind of hanging back. And then... Uh, after after the interview, Chris signed the eight by ten. He's like, "Hey man, if you see Jamie, you definitely need to get him to see this and to get him to sign this." So I was kind of hanging back and uh, you know, I kind of snooped forward and uh, towards the end of their VIP, I kind of snuck in and and uh, had Jamie autograph it too, and then uh, talked to him a little bit about uh, you know the Glenn Benton episode of the podcast and and uh, you know just had a quick chat with him. And it was actually kind of funny. We talked about uh, playing with uh, you know my old band, Twelve Volt Opening for Hatebreed, and not only did he remember playing with us. He also remembered the club we played and and had a bunch of questions. So, man, what a memory on that guy if he can remember playing with my little local band back in the late 90s. So it's a lot of crazy stuff. So uh, let's play some music. I want to hear something crazy. Since we've been all hardcore this episode, let's listen to something kind of goofy. This is a band called Steve and Seagulls, and this is a cover of Aces High. Let me know what you guys think of this one, and uh, I will talk to you guys momentarily.
And that was a lot of fun. So yeah, so this episode, thank yous go out to Chris Beatty of Hatebreed. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for being so cool. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to hold it against you that you were a little bit running a little bit late to the uh, interview. Obviously, if you're hanging out at the Louisville Slugger Museum, that's got to be a lot of fun. Also, you know, once again, thanks go out to Brandon and Corey from uh, American Standards for reaching out back then and uh, for being, you know, friends to this day. Also, if you guys want to support the Talk To Me podcast, make sure you're heading over to patreon.com, selecting a tier you know, a couple bucks, a couple bucks here and there will go a long way. I know everyone says that. Make sure to go virtual tip jar, all that fun stuff. Uh, make sure and support support your uh, local podcasters. How about we, let's say it like that and uh, drop a couple of bucks in the old virtual tip jar for us. And then also, you guys, man, there's so many great guests coming up. So many like uh, so many guests I have like almost or uh, man, I wish I could just tell you, but. I have a couple more sit-down guests with some uh, some artists coming through. I got a great email today about getting a guest in early November that you guys are going to flip your lid about. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. A lot of great guests coming up. So if you're a Patreon supporter over there at patreon.com slash talk to me, you'll get a guest updates and get to ask an artist a question. And I promise you, the email I got today, if this interview comes through, you will want to be on the question list for this guest. So head over to patreon.com, select a tier, and uh, help out the podcast that way. Also, amazon.com, search out talk to me and get yourself a talk to me t-shirt. And always, always, always reach out facebook.com slash talk to me talk. Twitter is at talk to me talk. Gmail talk to me talk at gmail.com. And thank you guys for listening each and every week. It means the world to me. And I love seeing these numbers go up and up and up. So until next week with my interview with Mike Spritzer of uh, Devil Driver, I am Joshua Toomey, like I said, and I will see you guys next week.